From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is the KCYX News for Friday, September 2nd. I'm Victor Palomino. The first Friday of the month, galleries and spaces for art in Mendocino County opened their doors to the public for an evening of new exhibitions. KCYX talked with the organizers of three events happening around the area. The Great Hudson Museum presents the exhibit Gathering Time, Pomo Artists in a Time of Pandemic. Hi, I'm uh, Mio Marufo, and I am uh, currently the guest curator here at the museum. The next exhibition is called Gathering Time, Pomo Art During the Pandemic. So Gathering Time is within the last three years, what have Pomo artists created? We thought about a lot of the different artists and a lot of the different medias. So we have basketry, regalia. Um, we also have 2D art, textiles, and... We made a list of different artists that I love and know, basically, and invited them to contribute to the show. I have seen so much changes during the pandemic of different art, whether it be PSAs of wash your hands or motivational um, art to say, hey, we still have hope. I've seen gatherers that have refined their basketry which you'll see as part of the show, or change the style of art. And what I wanted to show was the beauty of our different tribes. There's, you know, there's over 20 tribes, uh, Pomo tribes, within Lake Mendocino and uh, Sonoma County. And the majority of them actually sit here in Mendocino County and are adjacent to the Ukiah area. So we tried to get a good sprinkling of across the board in Pomo country, invite them to come in, bring some work that they've done during pandemic. What have they learned? What have they thought? What was going on in Pomo country during that time? And how can we show the community at large what we're doing and they can see us because we're here. And so it not only works with the Grace Hudson as somebody who, or as a, as a place that we come and look at the basketry that has been collected, but also bring those contemporary artists into the museum so that everybody can see it. You're gonna have some of your art in the, at the exhibition? I collaborated with artist um, Bonnie Lockhart. We did some PSAs here in Mendocino County that actually went around to a lot, it went all the way to Arizona and that was Mask Up, and it was through the NCO, North Coast Opportunities. They funded us to do a PSA to the tribes, and we sent it all over. We sent over 6,000 masks. Those were, Bonnie did the background, and I did the detail in front, and it was of a dancer masking up to show our people, hey, you need to mask up. Our elders would do it for you, do it for them. I also have finger doodles that I put in. I call them finger doodles because I draw them on my phone and they're digital art. Uh -huh. They started out as just going to meetings and being bored, honestly, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm an EPA director. Um, and I started drawing bees and bugs in pollinators. And then we started getting more and more artists on Facebook. As the pandemic started to progress, a lot of my artist friends were putting their work in progress on Facebook to show people, do art, you know? And so I started uh, doing fingerdoodle cards and prints and it shows either the basket designs 
the birds we use, the history behind the basket design, or it shows a little bit of Pomo culture and life. Um, Pomo Weaver Society was started by Silver Galato, and he started as a Facebook page so that we could just kind of talk about Pomo basketry. It grew into those uh, Pomo weavers that are actually current and weaving. And then we started adding challenges, which is little teachings. These are all Pomo weavers. We're about 50 strong right now, and that's not all of us. That's just the ones that are online and active in the challenges but it's grown i mean it's it's really taken off the challenges are basically how do you weave a certain style pomo basketry has over nine different styles of weaving we are known as the world's best uh, weavers and the pomo weaver society brings those weavers forth and it refines their skills as well as teaching new people how to weave so it's a place to continue the traditions and keep passing the tradition on? Yeah, one of the ways the pandemic affected us was that we weren't able to get together and teach. We weren't able to gather, which is the name of the show, Gathering Time. We weren't able to gather together to go get materials. We held one gathering during the pandemic and we were six feet apart. We were all masked up and we couldn't eat together. We barely talked to each other, but we did it because we wanted to see each other so badly and we wanted to gather those materials. I had a dog bane patch that needed gathering. And so I was like, okay, if we spread six feet apart and Silver Galato, who's actually gonna be in the show with his work baskets and his fine twine and his coil work, he's gonna be in the show. And he was the one that organized us because he's also a medical health director. So he was like, you must follow these rules in order mm. for us to gather. <laughs> Uh, are the artists are going to be present? They're going to be invited for the uh, opening? They all should be there. So far, I've had all of them say yes, they'll be there. Also, the Hopland Dance Group will be opening us up in a good way because we wanted to show the community as well as the tribal people that come here. We wanted to start it in a good way. So we'll be starting it with their dancing. They'll be opening it up and then during the run of the show, we'll be having panels and presentations for the entire show run. So it should be fun. The Ukaya Art Center exhibition of the month of September is a salon-style exhibition. My name is Laura Fogg, and I am a member of the Corner Gallery and a board member of Art Center Ukaya. We're putting up a show called Salon d'Atome, which is the French a Parisian salon tradition. And that's an interesting one because the, the French Academy of Art, they did not like the Impressionism when it first started happening. They would not jury the Impressionistic paintings into their shows. You know, Renoir, Degas, these people could not get into the shows, and they started, they call it Salon des Refusés, which is the, the, the show of the refused or the declined work. So that became quite the event in Paris. And so we're just doing something similar. It was always in the fall. It was in September, so we're doing our September show. And this time the show was by invitation only, and one of the ACU board members invited a whole slew of artists to submit work. And the point is there's no theme to it. 
there's just lots of everybody's newest, most vibrant and exciting work. And the other part of the salon show that was really interesting was the conversation. That show was made, again, it was kind of a reaction against the official Parisian hoity-toity salon. And women were involved in this. Women were not allowed into the Parisian Academy of Art, but in these these sort of underground salon shows, the women could participate. And the greatest minds of Paris, the more liberal thinking people got together and they talked about this stuff. They encouraged each other that the men and the women could have conversations on equal footing. So half of the show is the art, and then the other half is the reaction of the viewing public. And we're also going to have a lecture on this coming Saturday. It will be September 3rd. Gary Martin, who is the director of the Willett Center for the Art, is an art historian and does some wonderful lectures. So he'll be talking to us about the salon movement and its role in the development of Impressionism. So I'm sure we're going to learn a lot. And sign-ups, we'll have to have sign-ups because of limited space. We can only have 20 people attend. It is free. And so the the sign-up sheet is at the corner gallery. And finally, we talk with the actor and director of the one-man show, Clarence Darrow. Timothy Randall Fisher, I am playing Clarence Darrow in this show. My name is Jim Williams and I'm the director of this show Clarence Darrow. The play is is Clarence Darrow, a one-man play. It's about the life and times of the um, American attorney Clarence Darrow who uh, lived and practiced at the turn of the 19th to the 20th century. That's a very very interesting time and very similar to our time today. In what way is similar to the times that we are living politically? The time was called by Mark Twain the Gilded Age because it was very fancy on the outside but it was just a thin veneer of gold. Underneath it was not pretty at all. There was tremendous uh, conflict and there were some very very rich people in this country and the majority of people were very very unrich. They were very poor and struggling. The working man was really in deep trouble in this country. So there was that. There was great debates about women's rights and the place of women. There was even a contested presidential election. And so there was all of that going on. We had just, of course, as a country, come out of the Civil War. So that divisiveness was right there in people's lives. So it was a rock and roll time. And right in the middle of all of that was Clarence Darrow. And How was your experience with the character? For me, actually, what drew me to it, I'd heard that this audition was coming up, and I was actually at an education conference when I heard about it and had an evening to myself uh, in my hotel room after the the meetings and everything had wrapped up for for the day. And I went online, and, you know, first thing that popped up was Scope's Monkey Trial where he defended John Scopes uh, for teaching evolution down in Tennessee. And that was, you know, Inherent the Wind and that that play, the movie that came out of that, and just kind of going down a hole of all the different people who had portrayed him, uh, Spencer Tracy, Orson Welles, and going from the different portrayals. So my entrance really was as an actor and different actors that I had admired for various reasons and what they had done with the part. Uh, but then looking at who he was as a human being and just being really drawn by this 
gruff, grumpy, schlubby fella mm. that stood for what he thought was right. That character, that, that sense of self mm -hmm. was very admirable to me and really drew me in to the story. Mm. And how has it been for you directing the play and trying to adapt it to this stage? Well, this has been a great adventure. I've never done a one-person play before, so I didn't know exactly how it would be different than a multicast show. Uh, in many ways, it's very similar. Uh, the, the one huge difference is that when you just have one actor who's prepared and ready to work, you can accomplish a whole lot in a short period of time. It's just amazing the difference, how, what the rehearsal process was like. The preparation process is pretty much the same. The, all of the research and the figuring things out and what do you want to do. But the rehearsal process where it was really different. Um, but it also gave us the opportunity to get focused and, and, and develop the character and the ideas. So what can the public expect during the, for the play? It's a good show. It, it, it tells a powerful story. Um, there's humor, there's sadness, there's triumph, there's defeat. Uh, it has all the elements of a good evening of theater. Um, it just so happens you've got to watch me the whole time. But, you know. No, not got to. You have the privilege of. Uh, the first person that interviewed me about the show back uh, when we were auditioning, the first, her first question was, isn't this going to be awfully boring? Is this going to be like a history lesson? And it's not. It's a very dynamic show. And the other big difference is in all other theater, what an audience does is watch actors interact with each other. When I just was thinking about this show, the one thing I was absolutely certain was is that the audience was going to be a, a player. They were going to be the scene partner for Mr. Darrow. We changed the, the orientation of the stage to force everything out. When I explained that to Tim the first time, he said, that's going to be way intense. And I went, yes, it is. <laughs> so, so yeah, this is a, what the audience can expect is a, is a totally engaging experience in theater that's um, interesting and dynamic and relevant to the times. It's an amazing piece of theater. The play will open in Willits on September 2nd and Ukaya September 8th. For more information, visit ukayaplayerstheater.org. For the KCYX News, I'm Victor Palomino. For all our local stories, with photos and more, visit kcyx.org. You can also subscribe to the KCYX News Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.